Hello, and welcome to Thank You for Toilet Paper, a history of the little things, a podcast where we talk about a few things to be grateful for and the history behind how some of those things came to be. I'm your host, Elizabeth Miller. Thank you for joining me today. Let's get going. As a kid, I grew up being very active, going to a lot of races because my dad was huge into races as I was growing up. I loved sports, soccer being chief among them. And as such, being the prepared child that I was, I always had a hair tie around my wrist and on hand in case I needed to suddenly jump in and score a goal at any given moment, or just generally needing to do something for which it would be easier to not be accidentally eating my own hair or having it slap me in the face. So I always had hair ties on my wrists. My grandmother told me that by keeping them on my wrists, I was actually going to cut off the circulation and lose my hands someday. Which hasn't happened yet. But then again, I do have very poor circulation in my hands, leaving them always cold, so it's possible that she was completely right. They just haven't fallen off yet. One way or the other, I was always prepared for any adventure that came my way that required clear vision and a ponytail. So today we're going to talk about something I'm very grateful for, as it made adventures and soccer games much easier to manage, and keeping the hair out of my face and my mouth was always preferable. So today we're talking about the one, the only, rubber band, and its eventual evolution into the hair tie. Although rubber has been around for much longer, and we'll have to tap back to do an episode on rubber itself at some point, the rubber band itself was first patented on March 17, 1845 in England by Stephen Perry. However, this doesn't mean that people weren't using rubber beforehand. In fact, it has recently been discovered that the Mesoamerican peoples had been using and making rubber 3,000 years ago. This includes the Mayans, the Aztecs, and the Olmecs. This ancient rubber had many uses in those societies, from being used to make shoes, to jewelry, to rubber balls. When the Spanish landed in the Americas in the 16th century, they also quote-unquote discovered the many uses of the elastic sap. In the 1740s, when Frenchman Charles de la Condamine quote-unquote discovered it, he called it caoutchouc, which was derived from the South American word for latex. Again, these discoveries from the Europeans were far behind the discoveries made by the inhabitants of the Americas, who had been using the substance, as was already stated, for thousands of years. So where did the name for rubber, as we've come to know it in English, come from? For that answer, we look to a British chemist by the name of Joseph Priestley. This is the same Priestley who discovered oxygen. I don't think he discovered it by, like, breathing, but, you know, he named it, figured out what it was, that sort of thing. Priestley noted that the substance could be used to remove pencil markings by rubbing. Thus, he called the substance rubber. By the end of the 18th century, the name rubber had stuck. Rubber bands can be produced in two ways. The offline version, which includes putting rubber tubes on mandrels to heat and shape the rubber, while then slicing across the width of the mandrel to create the bands. While the second creation method produces better rubber bands, it is called the online version and involved continuous curling of rubber. Most rubber bands are produced using natural rubber because it stretches better than synthetic creations. This natural rubber comes from the latex within the layers of the bark of the rubber tree, which I'm assuming doesn't work quite the same way as it did in George of the Jungle. If you've seen that fun flick, he uses it to bounce off and defeat lions, which I mean would be great, but I don't know that that's necessarily how the tree works. Most rubber trees are found along the equator because of the hot, humid, and tropical climate needed for the tree to thrive. Most latex is produced in Southeast Asia, in Indonesia, Malaysia, and Thailand. 
Once the bark has been opened and the latex is exposed to the air, it begins to get hard and becomes rubbery and elastic. Rubber bands are also interesting in how they react to temperature. Heating causes a rubber band to contract, while cooling causes it to expand. This means that when you stretch a rubber band, it releases some heat. And when you let it go and the rubber band relaxes, it absorbs heat, making its surroundings a little bit cooler. Now, here are some interesting facts for the uses of rubber bands. In 2004, in the UK, because of complaints that the mailmen were discarding rubber bands being used to hold the mail all over the place, the Royal Mail started using red rubber bands in the hopes that the mailmen would see these rubber bands more easily and feel like they had to pick them up. The Royal Mail stopped using this method in 2010, but at the time it was used, it resulted in the production of 324 million red bands per year. Also, if you've ever had braces, then you're probably well aware of the medical-grade rubber bands that are used in orthodontics to pull your teeth in the right direction. Now, I hadn't heard of this one before, but perhaps you have. There are also rubber bands that are called Ranger bands. And although my first thought was Power Rangers, I don't believe the two have anything in common. Ranger bands were popularized by the military. They are essentially cut pieces of inner tubes of tires. They could be used to help maintain a better grip on a tool and have also been used by cavers and cave divers. When used here, they also have the nickname of Snoopy Loops. These Snoopy Loops can be used to seal the cuffs of the oversuits used in cave diving. And I've been caving once before, actually. It was great. I'm a little claustrophobic, so like, it wasn't always great when it was super small, but overall, that was a really cool experience. Snoopy Loops have even been used occasionally in first aid as well. Although we're not sure where Snoopy Loops got started, it is thought to have been used first in Greece. Another origin story says that they were first named by Dave Morris. Rubber bands have been used to power model boats as well as model airplanes. Among other fun uses for rubber bands, we find the rubber band ball and the world's largest rubber band ball, which was made by Joel Weil in Lauderhill, Florida in November of 2008. He still holds the Guinness Book of World Records. The ball weighs 4,097 kilograms, approximately 9,032 pounds. The rubber band ball is made up of 7,000 rubber bands and took Joel Wall several years to complete. He started the ball in April of 2004. It came out to be 6 feet 7 inches in diameter and was named Megaton. Many of the rubber bands Joel Wall used were donated by a physical therapy company called Stretchwell.com. The previous record holder was Steve Milton from Oregon. His rubber band ball was sponsored by the office supply store OfficeMax. Another great use for rubber bands is, of course, the hair tie. The hair tie, ponytail holder, elastic wrap, go-go, bobble, hairband, it has a lot of names. If we're talking about hair ties generally, these have been around for thousands of years. There have been many different options for tying hair, from leather straps and small bags called cowls, used to hold tails or cues, as the French called them, of the 18th century wigs, to the modern-day rubber band. Which, if you've ever had a raw rubber band hold your hair and lost some hair to it along the way, well, you're not alone there, and the pain is real, and we'll speak to that in just a moment. In the beginning, everyone, men, women, and children, used a variety of strings, ribbons, leather straps, and other means to tie back their hair. Or sometimes these ties were fastened together with a pin to hold everything in. The way you tied your hair was also sometimes connected to social status. In some places around the world, it was the goal of young women to wear beautiful ribbons in their hair. 
However, if you did so as an adult woman, at that point it was considered uncouth. It kind of just depended. There's actually tons of meaning behind ponytails, and I'm going to have to do another podcast on that. I just have a list. I come out of these with more and more things to study on. It's really interesting. The hairstyle of the ponytail, or just tying the hair back generally, actually started with men. The aforementioned cues were called that from the French word for tail. For women in Europe in the Middle Ages, the way to tie your hair back was using what was called a snood. It was similar to today's hair nets that you may have seen worn by food workers. The elastic hair tie came about thanks to Thomas Hancock in the 1800s. Hancock is considered the father of the British rubber industry. At the time of his first foray into the rubber industry, he actually owned a stagecoach company and was looking for solutions to keep his customers dry in the rain, leading to the development of waterproofed gloves, shoes, socks, and more. He patented elastic bindings for gloves, shoes, and more in the 1820s. He had a bunch of leftover rubber in the creation of his many inventions and was looking for a way to use the leftover pieces. He used a machine to rip these extra pieces of rubber. At the time, he called the machine for this his pickling machine because he wanted to keep the machine a secret and confuse any curious listeners. The same machine later became known as the masticator. Once the rubber had been ripped up by the pickling machine, he could mash the pieces together and form them into new shapes using molds. One of his first designs was, in fact, the rubber band. He kept these bands secret, however, as he did not yet see the value of the rubber bands. These bands also hadn't been vulcanized yet. This meant that the bands became very soft on hot days and brittle on cold days, limiting its usefulness. But thanks to Charles Goodyear, we have vulcanizing, which takes care of this process. Charles Goodyear actually started tinkering with rubber, specifically India rubber, when he was in jail. And after he got out of jail, he came up with the vulcanizing process. Hancock didn't patent his machine or the process of making rubber bands, which was unfortunate for him, because on St. Patrick's Day in 1845, another businessman named Stephen Perry patented what we now know as the rubber band. In 1923, William H. Spencer continued to improve the rubber band when he got a hold of a few Goodyear tires and started cutting them into strips in his basement. From there, he reached out to a few newspapers to try and convince them to use his invention to tie the newspaper together so that the spare pieces of paper wouldn't fly away. From there, he took rubber bands further into the world of agriculture and industrial uses. Before rubber bands became more widely used as hair ties, however, it had to overcome a few obstacles first, which if you've ever tried to use a rubber band in your hair, you know what those obstacles are, like pulling out your hair, which quite frankly just hurts. So in 1958, it took that long? In 1958, the first Hook Brown company patented a rubber band covered in fabric to solve these problems, and thus the modern hair tie was born. The rubber band has had further innovation with the scrunchie, which solves the problem of the string snapping the rubber band. I don't know if you, my siblings would do that sometimes. We'd go and we'd snap rubber bands on each other or like you'd like put it on your finger so you could like shoot it at each other, you know, like send it over at them at a vicious speed. I wasn't very good at it when it came to getting it off my finger, but others in my family were. So the scrunchie was invented though to kind of solve that snapping rubber band sting problem by covering the rubber band in a bunch of fabric. The scrunchie was patented in 1987 by Rami Revson. She actually named the scrunchie Scrunchie after her pet poodle. The name eventually morphed into scrunchie though because of, well, the scrunched nature of the fabric. Apparently there is even a trend among teens of exchanging scrunchies with the person that you like. 
This wasn't a thing when I was a teenager, or I 100% missed out on it, and like, never did it, did not know that was a thing, but that sounds like fun. So we've learned a little bit more about hair ties and scrunchies and rubber bands, and I gotta say, there are so many uses for these things, and when they're not hitting me, (laughs) and when they're not pulling out my hair, I'm very grateful for hair ties and rubber bands. And also for ponytails, but we'll have to come back to that one later. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a marvelous day.